Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just come back from seeing The Gentleman. Yes. New Guy Ritchie, Guns and Geezers. Yes, that I had to drag you to, basically. Not exactly, but you were looking forward to it more than I was. Well, you were saying I wouldn't mind if I missed 45 minutes of the film. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have high expectations. I mean, every now and again, Guy, Guy Ritchie's not a bad director, and I like some of his stuff, and I like some of his Guns and Geezers stuff. I really like Snatch. Yes, I really like... Um, Actually, Every now and again, he just seems he plows the old furrow that he made his name with. And apart from, I mean, to be fair, I've not actually seen Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, which was his first. But then there was Rock and Roller, Revolver. I like um, Rock and Roller. They've never I been like as good. Revolver. Mm. No, I actually, I think, I had a really bad I, time with Rock and Roller. Well, you know, I I can't. To be honest, I can't differentiate between them very much. But I think. Um, well, that's one of the problems. Well, no, that could also be a strength because I've enjoyed all of them, you know. So I, I think he's a great stylist. I think people criticize him because his films are trifles and they're not seem to be serious and they're not seem to be about very much. He's got a very, very distinctive style that some people find very annoying, but I don't. I like it. I, th- I think he's exciting and funny. You know, I always have a good time in his films, even the bad ones, which I would argue this one is. You know, it's still very enjoyable. I mean, I still had a good time. Um, I ended up having a good time. Yeah. I didn't like the framing device at the start. The framing device is uh, Hugh Grant's journalist stroke private eye character uh, goes to Charlie Hunnam, who is a sort of second in command gangster, asking him for $20 million. And he's and he just he tells this story about everything he knows about Charlie Hunnam, his boss, Matthew McConaughey, their business and blah, blah, blah. He's worked this all out, he's followed them, and he wants to shake them down for £20 million to basically keep keep the story private, mm. keep it secret. Um, and a lot of that, you know, you know eventually that's going to come to something, right? That's going to develop eventually, that's going to become part of the main plot. But when it's used just as a framing device, and it's there's a long, long time it's used of, and now let's tell the next bit of the story, and now let's tell the next bit. It's just Charlie Hunnam looking annoyed, Hugh Grant saying something quite cheeky, a bit I gay. loved Hugh Grant in this. I didn't like a lot of his dialogue. I think it's, you know, when he talks about wanting 20 million British pounds as opposed to just pounds. Not talks like this. They only talk like this in Guy Ritchie movies. That's and true. I found it quite annoying. Okay, well, I don't. Uh, I kind of, I enjoyed it. I loved Hugh Grant's performance. And actually, it's very interesting because, you know, you think, well, what makes someone a star? And I'm not quite sure. But you see Matthew McConaughey, right, like full of charm and flair and, Mm. you know, he's just a pleasure to watch, constantly watchable. You look at Hugh Grant, who who is the same, really, you know, like, I I mean, you know, he no longer has his looks or, you know, he's certainly no match in looks for McConaughey. But, you know, he's relishing, he's free as a performer, he's enjoying, he's he's giving a really highly stylized... uh, uh, broad performance and he's in, he's loving it right and actually you you partake in his pleasure in performing like that Hunan is a blank like he's just empty screen you know uh, well certainly in those framing parts i once he had his moment in the junkies flat i felt he started to have a bit of presence well he's not used well for a long time well I just think he's not good enough like I, I just don't think he's a star really oh he's not a star he no. doesn't compel attention you know he's very handsome and so on and so forth 
But actually, that's even worse because, you know, he's so handsome and you're still not interested in looking at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. um, I suppose I should say before we go on, it is a film which has twists and turns in its plot. So, you know, we are going to probably spoil a thing or two. So, yeah, there's your warning. Spoiler. Yeah, I, I, I personally don't think any of that is really important. I mean, uh, well, you know, people would still want the surprises to be surprises. Well, well fair enough. But, um, you know, I just think in these Guy Ritchie films... The pleasure is all in the unfolding, really, you know. They're quite sexist films. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Do go on. (laughs) Well, I I think it's worth pointing out because, you know, they are these male fantasies, really. And I personally, in a way, don't have any problem with male fantasies, right? Like, I mean, my problem always is that, you know, you should have, like, half the films made by women and then you get kind of female fantasies about their lives or their dreams or their hopes or whatever um so i don't particularly mind you know that it's kind of they're very male films uh and actually you could argue that the woman in it even though she's got a very minor role you know is a very strong smart cool woman right Mm. but she also feels like a male projection in some way oh yeah but it's that kind of film in some way i mean the seven foot high stilettos (laughs) where's the the jacket that's open basically all the way and she's good with a gun and she's sexy and i mean yeah she is fantasy yeah totally yeah. Uh, yeah, she doesn't mind being raped almost it's like oh hello love uh, when her husband comes <laughs> in to stop it you know jesus i mean that was yeah, oh, yeah i didn't know what to make of that she's cool but yeah i kind of i think the films are so interesting because you know on the one hand part of the criticism of guy ritchie was always that really he was this posh boy trying to pass for Cockney. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about how the film was originally meant to be called Tough Guys, T-O-F-F. Yes, that's right. one of the working titles for it. And actually I thought that's such an interesting term because in a way, you know, it combines both things, the idea of a tough guy, but also the idea of a toffee-nosed, yeah, kind of, you yeah. know, it's both, right? Um, and actually I think, I think his films are so interesting because they project a particular idea of Englishness, right? That's very specific to these films. And that nonetheless, I feel, is quite democratic, you know? Okay. Yeah, because it always mixes in kind of gangsters and aristocrats. And often you can't tell who's who and what's what, right? Like, kind of, you know, they are all one. So actually, you know, they are democratic in that sense that, like, you know, every type of Englishman fits into this world, right? Like, mm. you know, uh, and actually the the main distinctions aren't class or isn't class, you know, but smarts, right? Yeah. Uh, and I also think that there's an aspirational thing because everybody's stylish in Guy Ritchie films. For example, Colin Farrell in this one, right, who's meant to be like a boxing trainer yeah. or... He's not a gangster at all. He's just, he's a guy who coaches underprivileged youths. That's right. You know, but you see how even all those underprivileged youths, you know, they're dressed in a particular way, which is different than the the beautifully cut suits that Matthew McConaughey wears. But still very stylish, right? Mm. They're all like plaid jumpsuits or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, like they look fantastic. And actually, I think everybody in a Guy Ritchie film looks fantastic, you know. Yeah. Uh, And then there's a real pleasure in that, like... I like the way that people look. I like the stylishness of the rhythms of the things. The areas where the films are set, from posh houses to fishmongers. The you worlds know. that he builds, at least in this, feel very complete and rich. And you understand yeah. the worlds that they move through. And I, yeah, I agree. I like that. And I like them visually. 
I love yeah. them visually. Um, you know, they have a real rhythm and excitement, and they move well. You know, what you're talking about with class is interesting because the central character in this is Matthew McConaughey. I'd say it's an yeah. ensemble, but yeah, probably Matthew McConaughey. Is Matthew the McConaughey star. sits at the top of the film. He's the star, yeah. and he's the the crime boss who's trying to sell his his weed empire for four hundred million pounds. And he's a working he's, class American. He's a working class American. It's pointed out in in a flashback. You know, he came from like a trailer park, managed to make it to Oxford University on the basis of his smarts. Um, and when at Oxford started selling drugs, blah blah blah, he made it to the top. And he's someone who his story is all about moving through different circles and knowing how to negotiate these different circles. So it's not like it's not about class. He knows how to navigate these different classes. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because you know the title being the gentleman is interesting because I mean it strikes me as kind of a boring title in some sense. But this film is devoid of, or largely devoid of, the kind of gangsters that we've seen in his previous films, the real working class ones, or or at least, where they show up in here, they're not main characters as they used to be. You know, when yeah, you think but that about... is still here. You still get that, you know, the working class kind of gangsters. You see that with the kids with the phones and the estate. and They're not know. gangsters, though. They're, they're, I mean, they're a street gang. I'm talking about the kind of Statham. Oh, yes. You know, when you think about Jason Statham in uh, Revolver and, and Snatch, you know, he was a working class organised gangster. Mm. That These aren't people you see here. These are, this is kind of high level organised yes. crime you're seeing here. And, and there is a negotiation with the upper class and and with, with the kind of style. So like you wouldn't, I don't think you'd say anyone, any important character here is anything lower than middle class. Well, but I would because it's clear... It's clear that McConaughey isn't, right? I mean, you know, he's a trailer park guy. The Hugh Grant character, you know, is 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 clearly like a working class journalist, you know. Uh, uh, it maybe 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 they came from a certain place, but they they're all nego- they're all operating in no, this different world. The point that it is that in England. Everything is about the place you come from. <laughs> yeah, and it's always held against you, no matter which direction you're in. It actually is not about becoming. It's not, you know, that you might have this job or have this money. It's not inconsequential. But fundamentally, you're still seen as like, you know, the East Ender who made millions or whatever, right? You kind of, cl- class is absolutely important in this culture. And the the focus is always on the place you're from. And actually, kind of Guy Ritchie's films, are, I don't think, are like that at all. Well, I was going to say, do you think that's true of Matthew McConaughey's character? It's mentioned where he comes from. But is that how characters think about him now, as the guy who came from there? I don't think it is. Well, I think it's significant that he's American for these readings, right? Mm. You know, but nonetheless, it's also important that he aspires to be a gentleman. Right, kind of, mm. you know, that's what the film is about, right? His attempting to kind of let go of, you know, the criminal world and just kind of, you know, have that kind of life. Um, I think it's also important that all of the lords and ladies and the big estates are all seen as criminals, right? Like, mm. you know, uh, so kind of criminality is something that they all have in common, mm. really. So I think there is a kind of, you know, I think there is a kind of a democratic or a democratizing aspect in all of Guy Ritchie's narratives, you know, that kind of border on crime, that, yes, some people might be working class, you know, some people might be rich, you know, but kind of how they function within the narratives in relation to each other is what's important. And they're all beautifully dressed, and often, you know, which is, it's significant, I think. 
you know, because that is also an English, an aspect of English culture. You know, this 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 emphasis on style, design. Yeah, how mm. kind of you know how important it is to people. You know, the attention that people pay to clothes. I mean, when I first came to England, I thought it's so interesting because you know men in Canada would go and get their hair cut, whereas men in England would go get a haircut, right? Like, yeah. you know, often very precise, like it really matters, yeah? Kind of how you wear your hair, you know? And people often, if you talk to friends, like they'll remember this particular shirt that they wore when they were 22, yeah? Like this, mm. you know, style. I'm not saying that everybody is obsessed like that, but it's an aspect of the culture, yeah? It's significant in the culture. And I think kind of you see it very... Uh, it's very evident in Guy Ritchie's films. Do you think more could have been made of that here? Because it's 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 in the set dressing and the and the kind of character and world design. But I would say it's not, it's still not something that things are really about. So you talk about Matthew McConaughey's character's uh, aspiration to live like a gentleman, and you know he has that. But but I don't think you, you ever really see it in any concrete or in any explicit terms as him trying to rise above his station or leave that world. Oh no, behind. I don't think it's about yeah. rising above his station or anything. It's about you know. Um, having the life he wants, mm. right? Which is now, you know, I mean, he's obviously adapted in some ways. Like, you know, I mean, my God, his suits are beautiful, mm. right? And also, they're very English. They're always like patterns or tweeds or... Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not just like the black suits that you see in the So his language films. as well, you know, has, yeah. has, has English, British slang in it too. Um, you know, so he has that, he has that, that kind of adaptation. Yes. Um... It's very interesting, you know, because I saw The Man from Uncle, and I remember coming out of it so disappointed, yeah, that kind of, you know, it didn't have the spark that I wanted. It was enjoyable, but, yeah. you know. And then I, I found every time it appears on TV, I would watch it, mm. you know, and I liked it more and more and more. You know, it's like kind of, it's, it's, it's artificial, it's all about style. But it's so well done and so enjoyable. And actually, it gets better and better with each viewing. You know, I actually, I'm, you know, I've, I've come to, I think he's a major stylist. His films are absolutely distinctive, absolutely enjoyable. They're really stylish, you know. And I think, you know, it's this thing, well, what, what are they about? Right, like, well, you know, <laughs> they're about male fantasies in a way, right? And there might be all kinds of problems with that, right? But I get a great pleasure out of watching them. It kind of occurred to me the whole way through that, um, and it just occurred to me both while I was having a bad time and while I was having a good time, that you know we sometimes think about about films with specific audiences and how well maybe maybe we're not seeing what the people it's aimed at sh- are seeing. Oh, that's you interesting. Yes. And there are definitely people for whom this kind of cinema is the only cinema they watch, and it's the only, and they think this is great filmmaking. That's- Taxi drivers in London. Again, and there was definitely a huge part of this audience that was really responding to this To everything, film. to everything in it. Again, this is why it's such a pleasure to actually go to the cinema. Because actually, I think what you're describing, you know, that these films might not be aimed at us. But actually, I think being at the cinema with people who it is aimed at and who are responding the way that they did helps you understand the films better. Uh, and I think this was a, a specific instance. It was, it was actually quite a crowded cinema. Yeah, really crowded. Uh, and and people were very, very, very responsive to everything. First day of release, isn't it? Cause yeah. It's New Year's Day today, and it was yeah. a, what, 6.20 screening. So, you know, it, oh. got, it got the audience in. It got the audience in. Um, and it was so clever. I mean, all of that thing about, you know, we're talking about old-fashioned analog, right? And, you know, then kind of you get the images, 
you know, with a grain, <laughs> like you described, and then, you know, in an anamorphic format, which is, you know, and then the screen expands, and, you know, that was, that oh, was so much fun. I didn't think that was clever or fun. I thought, I thought that, that was, was fun. I thought that was, trying to look like it was clever and fun, I thought that was crap. I was, I, that's right at the start, and I really was having a bad time at the start with, with Hugh Grant's dialogue and how, how he was, you know, he, he has this kind of florid dialogue where he'll, he'll go into these these little sidebars, like you say, with talking about the story I'm going to tell you is in widescreen and all this shit. And and it. clearly it speaks to the confidence that the character feels. Like, he thinks he's on top and he can spin this story for as long as he likes and get yeah. his 20 million. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's irrelevant to the character or story being told, but I did think it was also... You know, I, we always get it with... with People like Guy Ritchie or maybe Quentin Tarantino who kind of overwrite their characters occasionally. They're in love with their own dialogue so much. You know, I've had a, had a feeling of that with some of this. Well, I mean, let me tell you, Guy Ritchie's dialogue is not a patch on Tarantino's. Uh, so, but he but, knows what his audience likes. Yes. It's, and that's kind of, that's to an extent, what I'm talking about with there is an audience for this that is quite specific. That audience responds to this kind of thing. Well, they clearly did. Um... I think I've now seen all his films except Swept Away. Um, <laughs> and I've enjoyed all of them. And this is very much a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, down to the sort of entirely nondescript trailer full of, well, here's, here's a gangster, and here's a guy with a gun, and here's someone trying to shake someone down, and here's just a load of guys in London. There's going to be a Russian, there's going to be some Chinese. Yeah. I mean, it, it couldn't be sort of more... Cliched. Yeah, exactly. it is. Um, and, I mean, you know, this wrote. Is, like you know, let's let's be clear. I think this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a very interesting one. I found it very enjoyable, and I really do think that Guy Ritchie's underrated. And I will go even further. I think, like you know, twenty years from now, when people begin to speak about you know the late nineties and the tens, I think his films uh, will be as memorable and as live as any other uh, British filmmaking of that period. Big words. You're probably right. They certainly speak to a, a kind of culture and generation. You know, they speak to their own time. They do. And, um, well, and they evoke it, and they, they characterise it in a way. Mm. You know? Um, and also, he's got an eye for actors and acting. And, you know, I think a lot of people made his career with him. I mean, you know, Statham is, 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 is one of them. Uh, and who's the other? Thomas Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy got his start with him, Did and he? yes, in I think well, I don't know whether it was Revolver or you know Lockstock. He played a gay gangster oh, right. in one of his films. Oh, um, was, was that Rock and Roller? It might be Rock and Roller. Stephen Graham, maybe you know you might argue. I don't. Uh, know if, I don't know if Stephen Graham was was big before Snatch, but he had a good role in Snatch. Yeah, a memorable one. Um, he was handsome Bob in Rock and Roller. And the same year, Bronson, which was, uh, you know, a big star turn as well. Yeah. That's um, Tom Hardy, that is, obviously. I remember when Vinnie Jones was big. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that was from Lockstock. Well, that's what turned Vinnie Jones into an actor. Yeah. yeah. And I love Jason Fleming. And, well, I don't like uh, Gerald Butler, but... Uh, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Uh, but that was, uh, that was rock and roll. And then he did the uh, Sherlock Holmes films, which actually I don't think much of. Oh, they're quite good fun, I think. Um, They've definitely got that sense of style that you look for in this yeah, work. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you're right, he's, he's really, he has got a, an eye for actors and an ability to work with them, and he's good at casting. Yes. Puts people in all the right roles in this. Yes. Uh, and he, he clearly takes pleasure in actors. 
you know, I mean, to give the type of leeway that he gave uh, Brad Pitt in Snatch mm. or Hugh Grant here, because just uh, that was very good, really. I wasn't a huge fan of the um, casual homophobia that kind of ran through the film, which is not the first time we've seen it in one of his films. Uh, I didn't remark on it uh, this time. I mean, I thought that was just kind of part of Hugh Grant's character, really. Yeah, I, it, this occurs to me. You can you, you sometimes will, will say about these characters, well, the reason that they said a homophobic thing, uh, which actually is not his character. So I can't remember who it was, but there was someone who made uh, the odd homophobic comment. And and you go, well, it's because they're, they're, the character's a bad person. But that's not really what, what we're being asked to respond to. We're being asked to respond to a comically homophobic uh, comment. That a character makes, you know. I must say, or for I, instance, the bit where um, where the, the one character in the ring—it's a minor moment—calls a black character a black cunt, and yes. they're sort of mates. And he says, "Get in the ring, you black cunt." And then they have this uh, little question about, "Did he just call me a black cunt?" Yes. And he says, "Well, yes, you're black and you're a cunt," and it's yeah. very funny. But it's like actually, um, some people do think that it's that, that like it's okay to call someone a black cunt because you're not being racist, it's like because you're black. Well, no, that is still racist. Some people do think like that, and I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I think uh. I don't know. I don't like that. I, and with the with the Hugh Grant character, um, who you know, it's never actually stated whether he's gay or not. But he's, oh, it's it's shown. Yeah, so but well, the, clear. well, well, the thing was, what was what, what what occurred as a possibility to me is that he's someone who's just very devilishly playful and likes making comments of that nature. No, no, no. I think, um, but I, I think you know, no, it probably it is that he's just gay. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, wank in your handkerchief. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I've said that, and I'm pretty sure I'm not gay. You know. uh, the holding, the putting the hand on the thigh, and all I of that. I do that to Matt all the time. Well, you know. Shit, maybe I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know uh, what I mean, though. Like, it could be uh, someone who's, who's. No, you get the sense. You get. You clearly get the sense that Hugh Grant is gay in this. But the thing is, then, if that is who he is, why make him so <laughs> predatory? You know, why why make that into his defining characteristic, really? Well, I know. I think his defining characteristic is, you know, he's a greedy blackmailer, you know, out for a buck, you know. So, um, yeah, and I don't don't mind, uh, um, yeah. I don't really see the purpose in that character trait, because that's that's all it's really inviting us to do is laugh at at the... Yeah, I didn't like it. Okay, but I didn't mind it, so... Well, no, you uh, laughed quite. You liked it. You, know, yeah, like, so you, so. you, you responded quite a lot to the film. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. so did. I laughed quite a bit. I mean, like I say, I did end up enjoying it. You know, I had a bad time for the start because I thought, oh, this is just the same old fucking shit that we see all the time with Guy Ritchie's characters aren't very interesting. Despite a, an interesting kind of performance here and there, I think McConaughey really captures the screen. Uh, McConaughey was wonderful. Screen. Um, uh. But it was only when it got to the junkie, the junkie flat, and the introduction of Colin Farrell. That I love Colin. I Powell. thought things started to cohere and have a bit of style, and you also had those. Were, those were two scenes where characters had moments, and they had not exactly monologues, but they were the centre of scenes. Yes, um, Farrell and uh, Charlie Hunnam in those, and so that's when I thought things started to perk up. And then I, I was, I did also become interested in the development of the plot and how these various interests were starting to collide, how what people knew about each other, how mm. the story would end up resolving. You know, I started to get interested in that. So, yes. Um, it made a success of, of you know what I thought was a bad start. Yes, well I you know I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, and so. I could watch it twice when it shows up on TV. And I, I'm sure I will. And actually, um, that that is you know I was just saying that about the man from Uncle, and you know because the at the end of the film there's a poster of the man from Uncle, 
yeah, in the office. I don't know yes. if you noticed. In its very clever ending. Well, it's not <laughs> such a clever ending, but you know. But I thought it was interesting because obviously it was not a it was not a hit, but it's clearly a film that he's proud enough of to remind people of in the closing of this film. Yeah, you know, and 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 I think if you catch it again on television or Netflix or wherever, you'll see why. I mean, it is the kind of, It is yeah. on Netflix, I think. Yeah, it's it's really kind yeah, of no, uh, you know wonderful to see. So it's a good movie, easily forgettable. But then when it shows up again, you go, "Oh, this was good." Yes, which is exactly what I thought when I watched Star Trek again last night. I th- I thought, why did I not watch this since two thousand and nine? Brilliant. Well, you know, <laughs> which has got nothing to do with Guy Ritchie, but it's just one of those things. Yes. God, I forgot this was good. Yes. You know, so yeah, so this was all right. Okay, it's not it's not his best, but I also don't think it's worst. I mean, his worst. Well, I haven't seen Swept Away, but I had such a horrible time with Rock and Roller, and Revolver's just on another planet um, of well weird hubris. Yeah, I think th- I think the only one that I didn't like that much was the uh, Gerard Butler one. Which one was that? I can't, I can't get them. I can't separate them. Really. <laughs> it's not King Arthur, surely. Was it? No, I have also seen King Arthur, uh, which yeah, I also no, go, quite like. Rock and Roller was Gerard Butler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's my least favorite of, you know, that cycle, that early cycle. All right. Yes, yeah, so that's sort of better than I expected, and yeah. and the actors really. They really make it work. So um, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. The website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. And uh, you know, leave us a rating or a comment or something like that. Apparently, that helps. I yes. never, I never remembered to say that, but there you go. Well, that's very good. <laughs> All right. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>